Okay, so we're live, and welcome to the first official episode of the Mob Squad Pod, uh, which I'm going to go ahead and say is a pretty awesome name. I'm going to take credit for that. I like that one. Uh, my name is Nicholas Jordan, and with me is Manny Chang. Good evening, my friend. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Can't complain. Um, first ever pod ever, so pretty very, excited. Ve- and very, very uh, exciting times ahead, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, excited, ner- like nervous energy. Um, it's uh, I think it's a good time to be a Rams fan, so I think this is going to be a good time. A um, lot to go over, but we'll do uh, our best to keep this on track and not, you know, a three-hour pod because I don't think anyone wants that or has time for that. So, sounds good. Uh, so the first thing that we're going to talk about, well, before I get into the logo, I'm I'm really fired up about the logo. Um, so before I get into the logo, because I was about to jump right into it, before we get into the logo, just a little bit about uh, myself and Manny. I'll tell you a little bit about himself. Um, I've been a football fan for about 20 years now. Um, I never really had a team that I rooted for, which is kind of weird because I think everyone always has a team that they root for as a child. Um, I grew up in the Central Valley of California not far from the Bay Area. And so everyone around me was a Raiders fan or a 49ers fan. And this was at the height of Rich Gannon and Tim Brown and those Raiders teams when they were making playoff runs and going to the Super Bowl and kind of the tail end of Steve Young and being, you know, Terrell Owens, that whole thing. So everyone around me was Raiders and 49ers fan and just being a contrarian and not wanting to do that. I was like, well, I'm not going to be a fan of either of those teams. Um, So I basically just have gone through my life just rooting for my fantasy players on my fantasy team and not really having a vested interest in any team. But I always said, if a team ever moves to Los Angeles, I'll definitely be a team or a fan of that team and not knowing who it would be. It was just kind of one of those things I said years and years ago, not knowing if it would ever happen or not. And then come to find out the Rams moved to LA and everyone was like, so you're a Rams fan now. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Um, so I've been a Rams fan since, uh, 2016 when they moved. Um, and it didn't take long for me to get really into it. I really liked the team. Um, I love their, their roster, the players, um, the jerseys, everything about them. So it worked out well. I'm glad it wasn't another team because um, I think at the time they were talking about potentially the Raiders moving and some other teams. And I or like the I think the Jaguars might have even been one of those teams. But I'm glad that it wasn't any of them. I'm, I'm glad it ended up being the Rams because it's worked out well for me. I really have adopted the team and I really um, – find myself rooting very hard for them which is kind of surprising because i thought it might take a while but surprisingly i've i've become very vested in the team so awesome awesome nick well um a little bit about myself my name is manny chang i was born and raised in miami florida so of course i say miami everybody says oh so you're a dolphins fan uh not really i did appreciate the uh, last years of dan marino but it wasn't really a guy where while my die hard you know aqua and white type of guy Um, I've always appreciated the game of the NFL. To me, football, to me personally, has meant so much because it's to me, it was more than just a game. So being able to see how plays would happen, 
how coaches will coach, how how you know how like the players will go within themselves to create the plays. To me, when when I was younger, guy, you know, back in the days and whatnot, I would watch you know the Cowboys teams just run over you know everyone, and then it became the New England Patriots dynasty all of a sudden. And unfortunately, when I started watching the Patriots win all these Super Bowls, the first ever one was against the Rams, in which I still think that the Rams um, they could have. You know, won that game in the first half. I, I believe Ty Law had a lot of penalties that were not thrown. But, you know, sorry if, if you are you Rams fans, including you, Nick, my apologies. Um, <laughs> I actually appreciate the Rams a lot, though, watching a lot of Eric Dickerson. Um, towards the end of his career, he was with the Colts. But just for the simple fact that the man, the way he ran, the way he carried himself, he wasn't that guy to go in front of the mic until he had to. And that, to me, gave me such respect for a guy like that. And just the logo itself, you know, like who doesn't want to see, you know, that beautiful blue and yellow with that horn helmet on? It's it's very iconic. It's very unique. Um, I, there's probably one or two college teams that actually have that type of, um, I guess, design per se. Um, but still, like that to me has always been a, a major impact in my sports life, especially when it comes to the NFL. So that's basically, you know, um, I actually grew up being an Eagles fan. Um, you know, a lot of heartaches and whatnot early in the 2000s. Even the Rams game that we ended up losing where it was the Rams that um, faced the New England Patriots. Um, I, I still have nightmares with Ienus Williams and, and, what, <laughs> and whatnot and those type of guys. But, um, you know, that's basically it right there. And like I said, um, Nick, I'm super excited to be here with you and uh, looking forward to a lot more of these with you, man. And you know what? And why? Why this? You know those those fans in LA, especially the ones that have been craving for this ever since. You know teams have left because, as we know, there's more than one team, and there's been more than one team in LA. LA deserves a football team, whether it's one or two. Um, the whole thing is though, it's about keeping it there and being able to, you know, sustain itself. And hopefully, you know, I I, I believe. I believe in the Stan Kroenke method. I believe in his ideas, and I do believe he has something special building up in LA. Yeah, uh, I do too. Um, I th- I want to say off the top of my head that they left LA. I want to say it was in '94. I could be wrong, but I want to say they left in '94, um, which is weird because LA's had the Raiders, the Rams, the Chargers, and it different points they all left and now the rams came back and now the chargers are back yes sir the uh, rams left in 94 and they were in st louis from 95 to 2015 okay there you so go. it's really weird to me that la which is like the second biggest market in the united states for um you know people and and everything it's really weird to me that you would have a town that has the los angeles lakers um the you know the Clippers are there, the Kings are there, the Dodgers, the Dodgers are the, there. I mean, yeah, the, like, I mean, I mean, before the Rams, like no offense, like what other team can you possibly say blew up LA besides the Lakers? It was the Dodgers, without question, right? Yeah, and even them, they really haven't had much success um, in a long time. I mean, they've been good recently, but their last World Series win, I want to say, came in 1988. Yep, the year I was born. (laughs) Yeah, so... Kirk Gibson, um, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that was the Kirk Gibson series. So Mm -hmm. even even the Dodgers haven't had 
you know, success, if you determine success as championships, they haven't won any championships in quite a while. So it's pretty much been a Lakers town. Um, and I think all you have to do is ask a Clippers fan and they'll agree with you and tell you that it is. So um, I'll use that as kind of just a natural transition to get into our logo discussion, because one of my biggest pet peeves with this new logo and new look is they're, the team is brand new to L.A., and they've only been there for a few years, and they're trying to establish themselves as not only the premier football team in L.A., because the Chargers are also there, whether we want to uh, you know, like that or not. The Chargers are also there, and they're trying to establish themselves in a market that hasn't had a football team in quite some time, and USC fans are pretty much the predominant football fans in Southern California. So they're trying to establish themselves in a market that really hasn't had, uh, really hasn't embraced them yet. So to me, it's a little weird that they're debuting this brand new logo and brand new look at, at a time right now, when you really want to capture this new audience, you're opening up a new stadium. You just were in a Super Bowl two years ago and here they are debuting a new logo, a new look, and it's flopped really bad. And the overall impression that everyone has been putting out there is this is really bad. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm with you 100%. What I, what I personally believe is as soon as the league comes out, I mean, what can the Rams say? You know, it's very unfortunate. Um, I know they've been there's there's been a lot of work behind the scenes for the last couple of years trying to put all this together the right way trying to present it the right way you know this is supposed to be a special time in Los Angeles for football and unfortunately when that photo comes out you know it kind of kills the mood a little bit you know and of course you know our main guy um KD you know uh you know let's see just it's just one of those things where i believe Kevin Demoff and the Rams they didn't know what to say right away once the leak leaked itself in a way because you know it's it's tough it's tough because what are you going to say to the to the diehard fans yes this is not our logo but then you know what happens a couple of weeks later yeah so it's not a good up, not a good not yeah. a good uh <laughs> not a good sign this this whole topic is i can get pretty fired up about it so i'm going to try and stay as mellow as i can but part of the reason why i'm so mad about it it started off as just being subtly just kind of like, oh, I don't really like that. That's really upsetting. And then it just kept escalating from there. And it started off with the leaked picture. Correct. Um, I was under the impression that that was a Photoshop. Um, I wanted to believe it was a Photoshop because it just looked so bad. Um, it looked almost like a Chargers logo, to be honest. Um so I really did not like it whatsoever. Um, and even um, Kevin Demoff himself even said that it's not a hat I would buy or we would ever want in the marketplace. That was a quote that he said himself. So after he said that, I was of the opinion, okay, well then clearly that was Photoshop or fan made. Um, you know, we don't have to worry about that. So... At that point, I was like, okay, we're good. I'm not going to stress about this. Um, but then it kind of kept escalating to where there were more rumors floating around. Um, I know Yahoo Sports and SportsLogos.net had basically said, yeah, we're getting reports that this is legit. And again, I started to kind of raise my blood pressure a little bit, but then... <laughs> 
Kevin Dimoff sent out an email to season ticket holders, and he basically denied that that was, you know, the real hat. He said specifically, don't worry, it's not the hat you saw on social media a few weeks ago. That was word for word in a letter he wrote to season ticket holders. So I'm not a season ticket holder. I didn't get the email, but um, I know what was in it because it was put out on Twitter and other platforms. And I would imagine that if you're a season ticket holder and your COO and your team president tells you something, you would take him at his word for it, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, also, Nick, it doesn't help either because as we all know, we're dealing with something around the whole world that it's very unfortunate. Um, you know, let me just go out there and say, I hope everybody, everyone stays safe, please. Um, do what you've been told, stay quarantined, whatever it is, because this stuff, man, it's it's nothing to play around with. Um, all right, back to the main topic at hand. So obviously there's so many stuff going on, Nick. There's so much stuff going on with this whole um, with this whole things going on in the whole world. And then you got this email gets that gets sent out to season ticket holders on Friday. And I you know, and for the Rams Nation Twitter account that I that we both run, you know, as soon as I saw that, I posted it. And it was some t- it, it, it was exciting. It was excitement. It was something that we were all looking forward to. Um, if I, if I remember correctly, it was what like a week. Um, what was it? Was free agency that same week when that email came out on Friday, or was it the following uh, week? That sounds about right. Um, I, I, if if not the same, it was very close. It, very close. So to me, I believe it was the same week. Not to mention the day the day before, which we will get to the Todd Gurley stuff and whatnot. So imagine that you have all this stuff going on Monday to Thursday. Friday you get the email for season ticket holders. You know something at least. Okay, you know we lost TG, but wow. Okay, our new logo's coming out. Our new colors are gonna get revealed. Our own chief correspondent of the Los Angeles Rams is telling us, telling us, don't worry, it's not the hat you saw on social media a few weeks ago. All right, Kev, we believe yeah. you. Let's see. And man, yeah. <laughs> I mean, here I am Monday because um, I, I live in Miami. You're up. Um, you're all the way in Washington State. So imagine I'm three hours ahead of you. Here I am, you know, going through all these posts and these tweets going on, waiting for 3 p.m. Eastern. And wow. All I needed to see was Jared cough up in the box. And I was like, I don't think Kevin Demhoff really knew what was in that box before he said these comments. Yeah. Um, there, I, I will kind of, I guess, get to it at the end when we've kind of covered everything that we're going to talk about. But um, essentially, all this stuff, the logo being released, Todd Gurley getting released, and all of these roster moves and transactions that have been going on all kind of happened within the span of about a week. And I remember at the end of the week, I might have even blogged blogged it, but I remember at the end of the week, I was just like, I felt like I had been beaten and dragged behind a horse or something as just as a fan, because I was like, our new logo sucks. I just lost one of the best running backs in the league and my roster just got a lot worse in my opinion. And I felt like that whole week I just got crapped on and it was, it was a bad week. Um, Yeah. I mean, listen, you lost, you lost, you know, Todd Gurley. Littleton's gone. Brockers might be gone. It's just, you know, the the core of your defense is getting ripped to shreds, and then your best player on offense all of a sudden gets released, and then the new logo reveals comes out on Monday, and, and it, it, it sucks because it feels like nothing right was happening during this whole week and a half span for the L.A. Rams. 
nothing was going right, you know. And I do believe that the fans, they did, ha- you know, they should have had the voice to to voice it because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, they're the ones that have to wake up and see it every day and being able to put on the jersey, put on the shirt, the hats and stuff like that. So, you know, it wasn't a good time then for them. Yeah, it really wasn't. Um, and we'll we'll get to it. But thankfully, Michael Brockers actually is coming back. He is Amen. back with the team. Amen. Um, but yeah, just to put a cap on it for the logo stuff. Um, I personally, I hate it. And I know hate's a strong word, but I absolutely hate it. I'm cool with the colors. I like what they did with the colors. I'm glad they didn't touch those that much. Um the alternate logo, which is the Ram head itself, I'm okay with, but I don't love it. Um, it was actually kind of funny and I think embarrassing for the Rams that not even an hour after they announced all the new stuff that there were people releasing their own fan-made logos that I thought were 10 times better than what Nike and the marketing team put together. Um, I thought that was kind of embarrassing for the team. Um Shout out Rams fans that know how to do graphic design because you guys did some awesome work. Um, But yeah, I am not a fan and I'm really hoping that they take a hint from the Chargers who a couple seasons ago were teasing an alternate logo or a new logo and they got really bad fan reaction and they actually scrapped that. That never got released. Um, I'm really hoping that this is the case or at minimum, they'll at least make some adjustments um, like I said, the Rams head, I'm okay with that. Um, wouldn't mind some diff- some subtle changes to that. Um, the LA with the, you know, supposed Ram horn that's in there. Um, not a fan of that whatsoever. I don't think that's even salvageable. I don't know what you think on that, but I'm not a fan of that one whatsoever. Yeah, Nick. Well, I, you know what? I'm going to have to agree with you on both points. The whole LA part, I understand the whole LA lettering and stuff, but that horn curling has to go. Um, I'm sorry. It just, it doesn't look unique. It doesn't look exciting. It just looks like it's just there. And unfortunately, there's another team that plays in LA, the LA Chargers, that no offense, right now, their logo basically is that, and ours is just curved in. I'm sorry to say it. There's no ifs or buts about it. Now, as far as the Ram itself head, I'm, you know, I'm not great with it. I'd say it's okay. Um, I saw a couple other um logos there by the way i'm gonna give another shout out to the fans there there's a logo with the bright yellow eye which to me that makes such a difference in it's in when you look at it from certain angles just pops out you know but as far as this whole la one i'm sorry they got it wrong you know they have plenty of time to fix this but this is not this is not what should be represented on as the LA Rams franchise logo. It cannot. I've seen it on ESPN. I've seen it on NFL.com when it comes to the divisions. It just doesn't look like it's supposed to be there at all, you know? Yeah, it, it's it's pretty bad. Um, and I just – I think the thing that makes it even more aggravating is I feel like everything Demoff has said after the fact has been kind of like – I don't know, tongue in cheek, almost poking at the fans, like knowing that we don't like it, but he doesn't really care. Um, that's kind of irritated me. I haven't felt like he's really taken it too seriously. I feel like he's just kind of like, well, you'll learn to live with it and, and like it. So that I'm not really a fan of. And um, it's, 
I don't know the the whole layout or the rollout of it with the video because I was like you I was waiting for for me it was noon Pacific time I was waiting for the reveal and they did the whole production of it they had like the three or four minute video built it up built it up built it up and I was like so excited and then they do the reveal and it's Jared Goff you know taking the hat out like you said and it was just like are you serious is this a joke I mean I mean, listen, Nick, are you – I'm so sorry to cut you off, though. Quick thing. Let me give a quick quick and a loud shout-out to Jim Everett and Eric Dickerson. Oh, yeah, for sure. These gentlemen sweated blood and tears on what the Rams are today. These gentlemen went on social media, did what they had to do, and they let it be known to the world that this was unacceptable. And I'm telling you, that's what needed to be done. I don't know if Kevin Demoff and the Rams will take it seriously. I'm not sure if you know they'll ask them for their opinion, but they need to because they are a lot of proud players in this organization that have played and put on this jersey for you to go ahead and to leave this as it is because it's not only the players, it's the fans. It's even some it's even certain media members that are like, really? This is what you this is the best that the and National Football League and Nike people put together at a table as the, we watch in the video, because I'm looking at this gentleman, I don't remember his name, but he's telling us it feels just right. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. You, you need to tell me what feels just right means because just looking at this local to me, it doesn't feel that way. So Something has to be done, and like I said, I I think that Jim Everett and Eric Dickerson are doing an amazing job every single day making sure it's known that this logo is unacceptable. Yeah, that video is uh, hard to watch. If you go back and watch that, it's it's tough to watch because the whole buildup is them telling you how much they want to stick with tradition and how they spent over two years working on it and how they did between, I think, 200 and 300 different designs and Nike worked on it. And if you watch that video, it gets you pretty hyped. I know I was hyped. Um, And to go back and watch it again, knowing what we know now, it's so disappointing because you know at the end that you're just getting that trash logo. And it's one of those things where, like you said, and I think like I mentioned at the start, you're, you're brand new to the city of L.A. and you're trying to establish yourself as a premier franchise, the premier team of L.A. And you come out with this, which basically makes you, I, I don't know if I want to say laughing stock of the NFL, but it certainly brings you down, um, I think, public perception when you walk out there or take the field and you have a logo and colors and, and everything that it just you know, you can't be taken serious. You just, you're kind of like laughed off the field, but like I said, at least they got the colors, right. That doesn't sound like that's going to change for the most part. So at least we've got that. Um, and hopefully they'll do something, uh, with the logo. Um, hopefully, hopefully my friend, because listen, there's plenty of time. Listen, there ain't going to be no off season workouts anytime soon. There's nobody be, there's nobody that's going to be going in, into the offices doing anything, you know, right now, you know, next week or whatnot. Now is the time to get in there and do it fixed. And I hope the Rams took some notes of the chargers because guess what they did the next day. They made a 20 second, 30 second video of showing their all time, you know, teams from, from the beginning, to end and man was i jealous was i upset i was everything that every single rams fan was feeling at that particular time because in my eyes they did it right and we look like the most laughing stock in the national football league on the west coast because you know our video had nothing of tradition nothing of history you know it's upsetting 
Yeah. Um, big stay woke on that because if you don't think that the Chargers picked that day specifically on purpose, think again. That that was done purposefully. They saw the immediate backlash to the Rams uh, logo and they immediately were like, oh, yeah, this is our time. We're going to capitalize. So literally, like you said, the next day, they're like, all right, check it out. This is what we got. And like you said, it was short. It was to the point, And it was sticking with their tradition. Um, the logo is pretty much the same. There's a very minor tweak with the shape and the color scheme. And it sounds like, according to rumors and things that I've seen, they're going back to just the kind of the powder blue look, which is universally accepted as kind of one of the best uniform combinations in all of sports, not just football. Um, so, yeah, they definitely did that to kind of rain on the Rams parade, which credit to them. Um, if if, yeah, it, if she the, was on the other foot, the, I would have done the same thing. It's like the one thing they've gotten right in their entire franchise. Oops. All right, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, so now we're going to get into essentially the roster and what's been going on with the roster because the last couple of weeks have been – Pretty intense, pretty crazy. There's been a lot of stuff happening, both additions and subtractions. Um, obviously, the biggest subtraction is the release of Todd Gurley, who, in my eyes, uh, was still one of the top running backs in the National Football League, and I don't think that's really debatable. Obviously, yes, he had a down year last year. Um, that was due to, obviously, there the word or the phrase load management has been thrown out there, that maybe that had something to do with it. Um, scheme wasn't necessarily getting used a whole lot. Um, there's a lot of factors as to why he had a down year. So I won't argue that he had a, a down year last year. But if you look at his numbers the past five seasons, second in rushing with over 5,000 yards, first in rushing TDs with 58, second in yards from scrimmage, almost 7,500 yards, and first in total touchdowns. The numbers aren't going to lie there. All those numbers tell you that Todd Gurley – the last five seasons has been one of, if not the best running back in the NFL. So losing him is big in my eyes. I don't know how they're going to replace that. Um, I I do understand that um, in today's NFL, it's easy to find a running back in the third or fourth round or fifth round uh, and just make it work. Even guys that were undrafted, like look at Philip Lindsay with the Broncos. Um, so it is possible you could make the argument that running back might be the most um, easily fillable spot on the roster. You can just plug and play and find a new body. Um, but when you have a special talent, uh, those are hard to find. And I think Todd Gurley was a very special talent. Yeah, Nick. I mean, listen, Todd Gurley was the L.A. Rams, was the St. Louis Rams. I mean, that man was drafted top 10 for the team, you know. And like I said, the stats – say it for himself. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He can do basically everything you ever wanted in a running back in any particular offense. But here's where I kind of look at the whole Todd Gurley situation. So you, here you have a Sean McVay, which we now can see after two seasons, what's the, what's the one thing he loves to do when, when it's to run his offense? It's play action. Play action yeah. happens left and right. It doesn't matter if it's first down, second down, third down, or fourth down. Sean McVay is a play action type of coach that loves to run those, you know, those play action formations going left to right, offsets, nobody in the backfield, two guys back there. He likes to keep people in motion. 
what I have seen from Todd Gurley last two seasons is very concerning to the aspect of not me being a Rams fan or not me just, you know, being a professional, which I'm not, or putting a hat on in a sense. Just looking at it as a fan, something happened to him personally somewhere in which obviously we don't know, you know, per se in the sense that it's come out, you know, we're all going to talk about his knee, correct? We're all going to say something's not good with his knee or, you know, he's injury prone or whatever the case was. But I look back at that 2018 season. The man was unbelievable, unreal. The man would average 100 yards a game, total yardage, touchdown after touchdown, you know, just amazing plays. Then you look at a game against the Philadelphia Eagles towards the end of that season, which is the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl. There was a play where he caught a pass from Jared Goff. I believe it was in the first or second quarter. Let's just say first half. He catches the, he catches the football, and he lands in a little awkward position. Now, a lot of people don't see much of it. They don't see, you know, they don't real they don't come to realize that he's now jogging off the sidelines. I am a firm believer because from that point on, I believe he had a long run in that game for the touchdown. But I actually did some digging. From that point on, towards the Super Bowl, he had 65 yards less in the game, 2.5 touchdowns less, and he he didn't even get the ball more than four to five times in every single game after that. That right there has to be an alert where we, you know, it doesn't take rocket science to know this. There's something wrong with him, right? There's something not right. And I, I'm a firm believer that for you not having a backup running back in a sense of his caliber, I get it. There's not many guys that, you know, there's not going to be three Todd Gurley's on, any, on every NFL roster. But the Rams were not prepared for this. Just as no. when they gave him the contract, they were not prepared for this. You know, it's a great story. You give – and listen, Todd Gurley deserved, deserved every single thing. You know what I'm saying? Listen, so – there, you're going to have fans that are going to say, well, he's not worth $30 million a year. Okay, but at the same time, the number of each position grows every single time. Is Jared Goff worth $30 million a year? Is that is Dak Prescott, of all guys, worth $45 million a year? No, he's not. It's just part of the business. It's part of the NFL. The, all, all these salary cap numbers are going to go up every single season. So Put the numbers aside. There was just not there, there was something not right with Todd Gurley going into last season. You know, I just rewatched the first game, you know, Rams and Panthers. Okay. Malcolm Brown scored two touchdowns. Todd Gurley had what? He had a hundred yards all purposely, but you could even see when he had, when he was going one-on-one against the safeties, he's just go down or go out of bounds. That's not the Todd Gurley we know, you know? Yeah. Uh, I definitely noticed watching this past season, um, like you're saying, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just he wasn't happy with his role or if he was legitimately hurt. But you could tell every time they'd show him on the sidelines and during he the He looked play, disappointed. Like he looked like, yeah. why am I not in? But he knew why he wasn't in. You yeah, know what I mean? He had a look on his face like he just didn't really care to be there. He wasn't excited. Um there was something there, and I like I said, I don't know if it was injury. I don't I don't know if it maybe it was role in the offense. Maybe it was a combination of things. But you could definitely tell during the season, just body language alone, that there was something going on there. Yeah, um, and, to, and to and to just end my point there, you know, in this offense, you need a running back. 
And it was quite clear that Todd Gurley, unfortunately, was not the guy to carry the load. He was not. You know, this is why you went out and you picked up a Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson has to be able to be that guy. If not, guess what? You have your second-round pick right there. I've seen mock drafts picking um, the running back out of LSU, LR. He can catch. He could run. Why not? You're going to need those type of running backs in this specific offense if you still want it to be the Sean McVay style, which is, like I said earlier, play action. Yeah, because I think we all saw this past season what happens or what kind of quarterback Jared Goff is when they don't have the play action game and when they don't have a reliable running game. Um, all facts. And that's, that's not a knock on Jared Goff because I personally, I'm a Jared Goff guy. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that don't think he's the guy and think that he's a bust already. And I don't agree with that at all. Um, do I think he's worth what he's getting paid? No, I don't. Um, but quarterbacks get paid probably way more than they should. Um, that's just the nature of the position, but I do think Jared Goff is a good quarterback and I do think he's a winner. Um, he already took the team to a Super Bowl once, so I don't think that there's anything keeping him from doing that again, but we saw this past season. If they don't have a good running game, if they can't have reliable play action, uh, he's not as effective. He's just not. Um, I think if you have to rely on him to make plays, uh, and do it all himself or with his arm. Uh, I think it could be a bit of a struggle, which is what we saw this past season. Yeah. Um, I mean, so... well, one one little quick thing, though, as well, that I wanted to um, just continue on with Todd Gurley. There's no way that the Rams, you know, they tried to trade him. No team decided to do the transaction, you know, and not even for a fifth-round pick. Nothing. Nothing was there. So there, there, there has to be a, you know, there's a whole reason why things happen in life, right, Nick? So the Rams are not going to eat $20.15 million in dead money if they're not able to trade the man to get anything in, in return. And as far as I know, he still hasn't been signed officially by the Atlanta Falcons. So, hey, who, who yeah, knows, who knows what could happen there? Yeah, there's been some weird free agency stuff going on where people haven't actually signed and deals have fallen through and 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 stuff uh so where do i i don't even this whole situation is is really it's bad because todd Gurley at the time when he signed his extension that essentially didn't even get to kick in but because he got released before it even kicked in which makes it even worse but when at the time when he signed the extension he still had two years remaining on his rookie deal and i don't care who you are especially if you're a running back which is a it could be an injury prone position because you're taking a pounding every single game. If you're on a rookie contract and you're getting that kind of production from him and you still have two years left, why would you even take the gamble and sign him long term? I mean, usually you I would think and what I've seen in the past, you wait until you have the one year left. And then at that point, you maybe get a contract holdout or something like that. But to sign someone to a long-term deal with that much guaranteed money at a position like running back, that to me just was not smart. Um, and I think that's kind of why this whole thing makes it even worse because when they signed him, they didn't even need to sign him. That was just not something they had to do. So I think that's what makes this whole thing even worse. Um, it just, it's kind of extra salt in the wound essentially. Um, no, I mean, yeah. I, I I totally agree with you 100 there. I mean, you know, listen, Todd Gurley, like I said from the beginning of this whole topic here, Todd Gurley will always be a Ram. 
I don't care if it's St. Louis. I don't care if it's L.A. Todd Gurley will always be a Ram. And these whole contracts that were given the rookies, which I believe it, it ended with the uh, Sam Bradford eras of guaranteed $15 million. This is why those type of transactions were made now. For you to be able to look at a player, two, three years, if you want to pick up his option, go ahead. You don't want to pick up his option, guess what? It won't kill you in the in the long run towards the cap. And this is was just another hit and miss for, you know, for the organization. Would I have done it in that point in time? I'm sure, Nick, if me and you were on the couch and we saw the plays that Todd Gurley did, we'd be like, heck yeah, pay that man anything. Let's do it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. We're the Rams. We've had a history of running backs from Dickerson to Falk to Steven Jackson. Are you kidding me? Guys like that wearing this type of uniform and logo don't deserve to go to play anywhere else. You know, it's just yeah. one of those things that, listen, it did not work out. And now you're living in the future, and now we're straight up in the past where, you know, you have to do what you have to do. But, you know, l- let's be honest here. Was Is Todd Gurley going to rush for 1,000 yards next season, score 10-plus touchdowns? It's hard to see him do that. I'm not counting him out. I never have. But it's one of those things that you need to you need to perform in the NFL when your team calls you upon. And, unfortunately, in crucial situations last season, Todd Gurley was on the sidelines. And that can't happen in this offense. That just can't. Yeah. Uh, I certainly am not counting him out. Um, and now that he's going to be extra motivated, I mean, the fact that he got released is certainly. By the way, he's in a wonderful offense. Are you kidding me? Julio Jones, um, Matt Ryan. Um, I forgot their, their other slot receiver from Alabama. Um, uh, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. Are you kidding me? It's, it's a total play action scheme once again. So he's in a great situation if or when he signs there. You know what I mean? Hey, listen, when Toggerly's on the field and he's not playing the Rams, I'll be that fan. But until then, it's a wait-and-see game for me. Yeah, so this has been, and I put this in my blog when I blogged it, it I like you had mentioned, what makes this even worse is the fact that they couldn't even get a fifth round, sixth round. They got literally nothing for him, um, which is crazy. Um the silver lining is they are going to recoup two and a half million um, because his deal had some offsetting language in it that if he was released and re-signed by another team, they could recoup some of that money. So they are going to get a little bit back and the little over 20 million that they have in dead money with him being gone. The good news there is they can space that out over the next two seasons. So they, I would assume, are going to do half this year and half next year. But the good news is there that it's not going to be just this season alone, which would be, I mean, that would be killer to take a $20 million dead money hit in, in one season. So thankfully, they can space it out at least over the next two seasons, and that will help out a little bit. Um, I'm not going to get too much more into it because then I'll start going off on Stan Kroenke and I don't understand how, you know, the second richest owner in the NFL couldn't afford uh, to pay him or what happened. And I won't get into all that, but um, let's move on, on to, to the rest of the team, huh? Because what I can see yeah. from, well, uh, it, it's, it's, it's been tough, man. I mean, you're shredding the, the defense apart, but you also understand that it comes with a financial burden. It's just one of those things, once again, you paid Todd Gurley so much of this money that you could have been investing in in a guy like Corey Littleton. The man is just the heart and soul of that defense in the middle. 
You know, when you needed him to tackle, when you needed him to cover, the man was a sideline to sideline running. No, oh, look at me, running back. I'm still in Todd Gurley mode. He was a sideline to okay. sideline linebacker. So, yeah. it, you know, and you're going to miss that, man. Like, yes, if, if it, it's great and fun when you have Aaron Donald up there with Fowler, which fortunately Fowler's also gone, but we'll, we'll get to there real quick. But Corey Littleton, man, like it, it hurts to see him leave. Hurts him to see him sign with the Raiders out of all the teams. And then you see the contract and you're like, wow, you know, this is why, once again, that Todd Gurley deal, it hurts in other positions of need. And this is definitely a position of need with Corey Littleton gone because now you got to go into the draft and you got to find that plug in linebacker right there that can be the man signals because that's what Corey Littleton was. He was the guy that got the play from the sidelines, not to mention no more Eric Weddle. So who's going to be getting the plays from the sideline? New defensive coordinator? Defense is going to be really interesting this year for the LA Rams, Nick. That's for sure. Yeah, it it's really weird because it looks like they've taken a almost like a penny pincher kind of approach to the roster this year. Um, and I'm not an expert on how NFL contracts work and, and cap and all that stuff. But I do know, like I said, that Stan Kroenke is the second richest owner in the NFL and you're in the second biggest market. So. I'm not going to just sit back and accept the fact that you can't afford these guys, especially when you're going into a brand new stadium that costs several billion dollars um, and everything else that you have going on. So I know the revenues there. I know the money's there. So it's a little weird that all of a sudden they're just being like, Hey, I know you guys are really good and you're young and you're talented, but you can't play here. That's a little weird. Um, So yeah, like you said, Corey Littleton sideline to sideline. Excellent. Um, excellent player, excellent in coverage. Uh, he played almost every down. He played 94% of all defensive snaps. He never missed a game. Uh, and last season he had a career high in tackles with 134. He forced two fumbles, had three and a half sacks, five quarterback hits and had two picks as well. So he can fill up the stat sheet. He plays sideline to sideline. Um, and he was hungry. He was one of those guys that was, he was uh, an undrafted player in 2016, came up from special teams to become a starter. And you have to admire a guy like that to go from undrafted to special teams to being a starter. And if I could remember correctly, I think he was an alternate for the Pro Bowl or he was selected to the Pro Bowl. Um, I mean, what those guys are hungry. They want to prove themselves. I love having those kind of guys on my team. I love having the scrappy guys on my yeah. team. I'm, to- I'm totally good with that. Yeah, because, you know, those are guys that, you know, weren't high draft picks. They didn't get drafted. It's an undrafted player. You know they're going to have to work twice as hard just to even make the team. So when you finally do that and he, and he finally makes it and he gets there and he performs like that, it's it's not a good sign when you're not able to resign these guys. You know, it's, 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 you know, it like this hurts me more than Clay Matthews. Nothing against Clay Matthews. Thank you for coming with us. And, you know, you tried to do your pass rushing skills <laughs> last season, which really, I, you know what, I can't, I don't remember, you know, the total sacks he had, but I don't really remember any Clay Matthews big plays, Um, you know, but it's just this Corey Littleton, man, he, he was a captain. He was a leader. You know, I know Weddle was there and Donald wears a C on the jersey, man. But Corey Littleton, he, you know, like I said, when you're the guy in the middle and you get the play callings and you got to get people lined up right, these are the type of players, Nick, you can't lose, man. You just can't, you know? And yeah. So, but um, let's made, move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, what made this one 
a little more of a tougher pill to swallow. You had already alluded to it. Him getting signed by the Raiders, that's a little tough to swallow. And also the fact that it was only a three-year deal, and $22 million was guaranteed, which he was projected to get a lot more than that. Um, so his average annual salary is only uh, $11 million. It's almost twelve, but it's just over $11 million. And for a guy of his talent and his potential, because he's still young, uh, and his position, he was projected to. I saw projections as high as fourteen or fifteen million per year, and he was signed for just over eleven. And that's tough. Like I said, to sit back as a franchise and tell me that you can't afford a starting middle linebacker who's young and talented for just over eleven million. That that makes it even more difficult. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's just like I said, like it, it goes back to the whole contract situations that you've given to Gurley. And you've given to golf, you know, and, you know, obviously you're going to keep the quarterback over the running back, you know, um, not to mention that, that, you know, the quarterback came in, what, two, three years ago and, and you, and you, you go ahead and you, you resign him for a long-term deal like you did, which if I, if I saw the numbers, he's projected to make what 30 plus million dollars. So, you know, it's just like, like I said, that was another gamble. Let's you know cross our fingers and hope that that won't, hurt us in the long run, you know, for their other key positions, you know, because we don't need another Todd Gurley situation. We just don't at all. And I, and, yeah. and you know what, at this point, I don't think the Rams can afford it either. New stadium, you know, new, <clears throat> new rentals or whatever the case is. They're trying to, to promote their new logos. Yes. They're going to make money, but you know, the NFL has a certain cap number, my friend, and you got a certain amount to spend. You can't just overexceed it on just four or five players when you're supposed to have what a 53 man roster. Yeah. Uh, so I'll get I'll get to the the linebacker core in a little bit because the linebacker core as a whole isn't looking too good because, like you said, Clay Matthews was also released, which that was a move that I mean I don't think we're broken up too much about that. Like you said, cool. Thanks for coming. Did some good things. Um, nothing spectacular, but um, nice to have them. Uh, the move did save the team uh, $5 million, which is a decent little chunk, um, and an additional $2 million in relief if he's signed by another team, uh, which I would assume he would be. Uh, he can still play, uh, so I would assume he's going to get signed by someone. But where I was going to go with that was now with uh, Littleton gone and Matthews being gone, Essentially, our inside linebacker core is Micah Kaiser, Kenny Young, Troy Reader, and um, Taven Howard. Uh, Who? That group. Who? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that that group as a whole has started a total of 14 games. Um, and like you said, that's a, um, a plethora of talent, I guess. Uh, so I don't know where we're going to go from there. It's kind of hard to just find a starting middle linebacker or starting inside linebackers, which it sounds like new defensive coordinator, uh, Brandon Staley is going to stick with a three, four scheme. So we're going to need two of those. Um, and I don't know where they're going to be coming from. I guess the draft, uh, cause based on what I'm seeing here, there's not a whole lot of talent. Um, you could argue, I guess that there's unproven upside there and potential. Um, but it's making me a little, a little worrisome. Um, and then the next one that was for me maybe the most surprising was the release of Nikel Roby Coleman. Um, they declined his four and a half million dollar option, which again, hearing that number four and a half million, 
that is not a lot for a starting uh, slot corner in the NFL, especially one of his talent. He's a good slot corner. Um, and to say that you don't want his services at four and a half million dollars to me is a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, no, I mean, and then I could also um, see it in the comments that he told ESPN's Josina Anderson saying, you know, I don't know why they moved on. And once again, I'm pretty sure it had something to do with the money, you know, in the contract. But then he ends up signing with the Eagles for, what, $1 million? So you mean to tell me you couldn't spend $1 million on the slot cornerback that's been with you, you know, for the last couple of seasons? Like I said, it's another head scratcher, you know? Um those are the type of guys that, no offense, like those are needed when a new defensive coordinator who's keeping the same scheme but has been around, has been there, you know, and you, you're going to need those guys in crucial game situations that know what's going on. So now you're putting, you know, all times of pressure on a rookie coming in or, or another guy off the practice squad in which, like I said, you know, if we go back to the linebackers combined without Littleton, 14 career starts between what, four or five players? That's not good. You know, and these are the guys that are playing, you know, on the outside from the linebackers. So it's pretty clear that this defense is going to have to rely heavily, heavily on the front four, three or whatever type of scheme they end up running up front, which then, you know, it should bring us to we should be thankful that Brockers is on his way back. Um, Thank you, Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore wasn't able to do a deal with them uh, with him. Um, I believe it was for some physical issues with the doctors and whatnot. And you know what? I would take it at this point. He was the one smiley thing around, you know, a lot of Rams fans for quite some time. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things that, like I said, I'll go back to it. Roby Coleman could have been signed in, um, again for one year, you know, off for what, $1 million? It's like another head scratcher to me. Yeah, a $4.5 million option is, like I said, for a starting nickel corner who's very talented – that's in a league though nick that's passing correct if i'm wrong right yeah. it's a passing okay yeah. so you're gonna need every single valued cornerback that i would think you could get but hey here we are yeah <laughs> unless you're playing uh lamar jackson and the ravens uh, pretty much every team is going to come at you with uh three wide receivers or uh two tight end sets with two wide receivers and they're all going to be running routes and stuff unless so, you want to yeah. also play the uh no the Nebraska Cornhuskers offense or the wish of one of the 80s I highly doubt that's going to come back so hey <laughs> yeah no I don't think so um so yeah I don't know what happened with the Ravens I don't remember uh seeing what exactly caused that deal to fall through I want to say you're on the right track if I remember right it had to do something with like the physical I don't know what happened specifically, but yeah. So um, I have the story. So I have the story right here. Sorry to cut you off. So so uh, basically, Brockers had an X-ray done on his ankle. The doctors from Texas sent that to Baltimore. Baltimore then wanted to get a second opinion, and apparently, Brockers never heard back from them. So there you go. Interesting. Very very interesting. Either way, uh, I'm glad that he's coming back because um, that was another move that I was not a fan of. So I am glad he's coming back. And I did see on Twitter that Aaron Donald was very sad to see him go, but he was very happy to see him come back. So, And I think you want to keep Aaron Donald happy. I think we all want to do that. Um, you have to keep Aaron Donald happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 it shouldn't even be a question. Aaron Donald is the Los Angeles Rams. You got to do anything yeah. in your power to make sure that man – stays in at number 99 jersey for the rest of his career. Yeah. Um, Dante Fowler Jr. signed with the Falcons three years, $45 million. Um, I don't think the team could have afforded the $45 million, so I get why 
they let him go. Um, I'm not a fan of it because I'm a fan of Dante Fowler. And I think, um, I don't think people realized how much of an impact he had on the line and um, impact he had on the game. So it's going to be interesting to see how the line performs this year without him there. Um, I would have loved to have him, but at the $45 million price tag, I could see why the team was like, you know what? We just can't afford that. So um, I, I see where they're coming from. Um, I think he's going to do great things with the Falcons. Like I said, I don't think he was fully appreciated for his time spent in LA. And I think you're going to notice a difference in the way uh, Aaron Donald is treated, whether it's, you know, more double teams or however they decide to chip him with backs or whatever they decide to do. Um, I think you're going to notice a difference. Uh, the line as a whole is going to be different without Dante Fowler Jr. on the line. Yeah, I think I, I will probably say I saw this coming. Um, we've heard already reports towards the end of the season that Fowler really wasn't looking forward to coming back unless he was given big time money. And, you know, getting three years, 45 mil is that big time money. Um, and for sure, the Rams, they didn't have it. Um, so they decided to move on and whatnot. But here's a one. Here's a thing, though, that I it always has ever bugged me um, as, as long as I've watched the NFL teams that trade players and give up the first round picks. If you don't intend to sign that player to an extension, why do that? Why? You know, yeah, like it doesn't I, like, make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Yes, I get it. You almost won the Super Bowl the year before. But if you're going to give up a first-round pick investment on a player and not intend to re-sign them, like, I will never understand for the life of me why GMs decide to do that. Unless your job is on the line and you got to be able to make sure that you can do anything in your power possible because, obviously, if your job's on the line, you don't care what happens to the guy behind you. But those things just have always bothered me, always has always, always irked me to the point that now I'm hoping I don't see Jalen Ramsey leave next year. You know, you gave up on – what, you gave up two first-round picks back-to-back, right? If it was one or two. Yeah. So it's two of I them. So it was, I believe it was two. It was two of them. So once again, the LA Rams are not going to have a first round pick next season, right? Because they decided to trade for Jalen Ramsey. And this yeah. is a guy that is a free agent, according to, you know, the NFL cap stuff that we're watching now. He's a free agent after this season. There's no reason why you shouldn't go at him right now and sign an extension. And if he decides not to talk, it's because he knows. He's not going to get that. Yeah, the Rams haven't had a first-round pick since Jared Goff was selected uh, first overall. And I remember thinking to myself when they made the Jalen Ramsey trade, I was cool with it, but my same thought was along what you're saying, if you're going to trade these picks, you better sign him long-term because if you're going to mortgage your future for a couple seasons, I'm not cool with that. So you better bring him back long-term. So if they let him walk next year, uh, I'm going to be pretty upset. Um, and that's just, I mean, from a fan perspective, yeah, I'm going to be upset. I mean, just from a business and common sense perspective, that's just stupid. Um, so I really hope that that's not what happens. Um, another move that I'm going to be honest, uh, I didn't even know that Greg Zerline was a free agent. I missed that. I don't know how that happened, but... The other day when I saw this news that he had signed with the Cowboys for three years and seven and a half million, I had to do a double take because I saw it on the bottom line on ESPN. And I was like, wait, what? That can't be right. I had to have read that wrong. And I had to fact check it and come to find out he was a free agent. I had no idea. Uh, so that one was a surprise. I'm not a fan of that. I, I think he um, 
is one of the better kickers in the league. Again, he did have a down year last year, uh, but I still think he's the kind of kicker who can bounce back from uh, from a rough season. Um, I, you know, finding a good kicker, they don't they don't grow on trees. Uh, and I think we've seen over the past couple of seasons, um, most notably the first thought that comes to my head is uh, the Bears kicker that cost them the win in the playoffs. Um, blanking Mr. On Cody Parkey. Right yeah, Cody Parkey. <laughs> Cody Parkey. Um, I think we could all agree that having a good kicker uh, can win you games and win you championships. And you look at guys like Adam Vinatieri, Steven Goskowski, um, and guys that miss kicks like Cody Parkey. Uh, kicking is a very underrated part of the game. They're not very well appreciated, but when you have a good one, you notice it makes a huge difference. So I think losing him is going to be a noticeable difference. Um, I'm I'm hoping they find a somewhat decent replacement because um, I guess I'm just a, a mark for kickers. I really appreciate them and what they do. So when I ha- see a team that has a subpar kicker, um, I feel like it usually corresponds with a bad record. I just is what it is. Um, especially. No, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, ahead, like, I mean, I mean, when you kind of look at it, like nowadays, uh, kickers are, are just looked at as guys that kick and, it shouldn't be that way. I mean, these guys are now kicking, you know, longer extra points. Um, they're, you know, they're put into a game in crucial situations that they have to perform. If not, they'll get cut right away and they'll come back with four or five guys that are, you know, that are all, you know, that are coming in the building on Monday and they're trying to take your job. So to me, kickers have always mattered. Um, but this is a- another loss again. Um, I do understand the last two seasons. Well, well, not two seasons. Two seasons ago, he had one of the best years ever. He had the most points as a kicker, you know, and whatnot. Not to mention, he kicked the LA Rams into the Super Bowl. We will never forget that. Yeah, um, that kick was I, amazing. I could barely watched the TV screen when the <laughs> kick was happening. Just I was absolutely was amazing. Tough. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. So that right there should tell you that kickers are are one of the most important positions to have on a football team. And I hope the Rams have a plan B because of obviously plan A didn't work. I'm with you. I had no idea that Legatron was on the free agency market. I thought yeah. maybe I thought maybe, you know, he had an option if he wanted to say or not, but apparently he was. And you know, now the Rams have to come out and sign one again in free agency. Or, you know, there listen, there's a couple guys in the XFL that were kicking amazing. I'm hoping they've made calls. I'm sure any one of those guys would love to be part of the National Football League and kick in LA. So, you know, hopefully, you know, that gets, you know, that gets a lot of attention because, you know, as we know in this offense, there's going to be plenty of kicks to go around, you know, 45 yards or or whatnot. You know, we saw it with him and we need to be able to rely on another guy that can do the same. You know, like I said, hurts to see Legatron in another uniform, not to mention the amazing kicks he's had for us. And he's been so consistent, like once again, you know. A consistent player on the on the LA Rams is leaving. Like those are the type of guys that you know signs a three year seven point five. You can't keep him. You can't you know you can't sign Roby Coleman for one year deals. You you couldn't sign a, mar- a middle starting linebacker and Corey Littleton his three year deal. I mean, just once again, yeah. I feel like yeah, longer these- contracts. Yeah, the, the longer contracts to Gurley and whatnot. You you know you, the, the, they could say that it. Oh no, that's that's not an issue. We all know it is because once again, another key guy is off the team because of that. Yeah, um, the only thing I can think of is they really were worried about 
his leg injuries and they thought that maybe there was something there that was going to continue. So maybe that had something to do with it. And the only other, uh, the only other thing that I can think of is I know last year we kind of saw more of a tendency from offenses to go for it on fourth down and try to be more aggressive and convert more fourth downs. Cause new age analytics say that going for it on fourth down is more beneficial than trying to go for a kick and getting three points and potentially missing, missing it and all that stuff. So maybe Sean McVay has a thought that they're going to be more aggressive this season and they're not going to be relying on their kicker as much so they can save some money on a kicker and they're just going to be more aggressive on offense and they're going to, um, you know, push the envelope a little bit more, maybe go for it on some longer third downs and fourth, you know, fourth downs, and maybe they're going to go it that way. Um, but yeah, definitely a little bit of a head scratcher. Um, that one was weird. Um, going to the offensive line, we're getting into some, some additions now and not subtractions anymore. Um, the Rams are bringing back, uh, Austin Blythe, who is pretty, he's a versatile guy. He can play both guard and center. It sounds like they're going to keep him at center. Um, and I'm not going to say that I'm an expert on centers, but it, from what I could tell, he seems like he's decent. Um, so, uh, I'm okay with that. Um, and I don't think they gave him a, like a huge financial commitment. It looks like it was only about three and a half million guaranteed for one year so not a huge commitment um if it works out great they can always resign him long term and if it doesn't great next year he can go and goes play somewhere else yeah like it's always good when you add um important online depth in a way um not to mention that the online for the rams wasn't really great last season all you gotta do is look at their running numbers and you're like ouch uh yeah that's another reason why todd Gurley's not here anymore I guess you could probably say it. Um, but listen, you know, you signed death. Listen, Blythe has been in his offense for, you know, quite some time. He can play guard or center. That's always very crucial in an offense down the stretch. Um, and then also when you re-sign Andrew Whitworth, I get it. People are, oh, three-year deal. Are you kidding me? The man's almost past 40. Listen, that's very important. A left guard in this particular offense, a lot to play action. Goff is going to need him. Uh, I don't know how many left guards are out there in free agency, but I didn't see a lot of them signed. So, you know, if you got one already starting with you and he's been there for quite some time, you got to pull the trigger on there. I have no issues with that whatsoever. And what I've seen most, though, of the Whitworth deal, most of it is incentives and whatnot. And listen, the man's going to retire a Ram. He's been here long enough. You know, I don't have no issues with those two signings that create death on the offensive line. Yeah, there's definitely not a plethora of left tackle talent out there. Um, that's definitely a market that is pretty dry and the, that's a premium position, especially on the line. So I'm okay with bringing him back. Uh, like you said, the three-year deal, the optics of that does look bad because he is almost 40, but there's a get-out clause after the first season. So this is essentially just a, a what-if, like, hey, if we'll play this year. Next year, if you want to come back, cool, we'll bring you back. Um, but by no means is this uh, ironclad three-year deal. Um, so if anyone's wrapped up around that, get over it. It's not a three-year deal. It's not a guarantee. He can be gone after this season and there won't be any, you know, crying about it. It's okay. Um, going to the defensive line, the Rams are bringing in Leonard Floyd, I guess, as a Dante Fowler replacement. Um, he's coming in from the bears. Uh, he's 
not really going to play on the line like Fowler did. He's more of the traditional stand-up linebacker, uh, and he's more of a uh, run defense linebacker. He's not going to be the Corey Littleton sideline to sideline in coverage guy. He's going to be standing up, and he's going to be trying to stuff the run. Um, he's If you look at his numbers, they've pretty much regressed every single season. Not terribly. It's not a steep decline, but they've gone down pretty much every season since he's gotten drafted. So that's a little bit concerning, but they didn't give him a, a long commitment. It's a one-year deal. It's $10 million. Um, So we'll see if he has a great season. I'm assuming they'll bring him back. Um, and if he doesn't, okay, we'll see you later. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I mean, there's no hurt in trying to get a former first-round pick in here. Um, I think I also read, Nick, that one of the coaches on our defense actually was with him in Chicago. So he knows them very well, and he knows what he's good at. You know, great size, body leverage can definitely stop the run. Of course, you would want to see the, the those uh, sack numbers more up, especially playing with uh, Khalil Mack in Chicago on the other side. But sometimes a player like that just needs a new scenery, new team, you know, or whatnot. So um, I'm not hating it on too much. It's a one-year deal. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, hey. It's not like he's committed to you for $20 million the following season. Um, but once again, when you bring back Brockers, that, that to me, um, you know, and we're going to get to the next to our final signing here in Ashawn Robinson. But you bring Brockers back and you got Brockers, Day, you got Aaron Donald, um, Leonard Floyd, which I'm hoping because I haven't seen anything that he signed his contract yet. So that has me a little bit nervous. <laughs> with everything going on with players, you know, well, contracts didn't get done yet. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of frustrating in a way, but that's the way we, the world we live in now. Um, you look at that front, it looks pretty good. And the, it's going to have to be pretty great because linebackers aren't solid. Secondary, maybe two out of four guys, maybe three out of four guys you can probably count on. But this is what the Rams defense is going to be, this front right here. and. Like I said, you know, if Leonard Floyd, listen, just give me, you know, games and where you're able to get sacks, you're able to just to make plays, you know, because you're going to get the opportunity, especially with Aaron Donald going up front with Brockers and whatnot. So you should be able to get, um, you know, a couple, you know, good, solid games or whatnot. Of course, you got to stay healthy. Um, you know, a lot of knocking from Chicago was he was never healthy. But when he was, he had the club on his hand. He, he couldn't really swarm or move. Well, hey, my friend, you have a new opportunity now. Just you know, come play and show up. Yeah, definitely. The first level looks like it's going to be pretty solid. Um, any first level with Aaron Donald on it is going to be pretty solid. The second level linebackers is where it's going to be a struggle. And I would say the third level is pretty solid. Um, you have Jalen Ramsey. You have um, John Johnson the third. He's going to be coming back off an injury, but everything he's shown when he's played, he's a he looks phenomenal great, player. He looks yeah, great. He's a, yeah, he's phenomenal like player. So our secondary um, looks decent. It'll be interesting to see the loss of Eric Weddle and how Taylor Rapp kind of fills that void because last season there was flashes I felt like where he looked like he was really good, but that was usually in the run game. I felt like he was good at coming up and stopping those plays in the passing game. There was definitely some instances where he was getting burned, um, giving up some big plays. So it'll be interesting to see how that part, how all that kind of meshes. Um, and also adding on to the the line there, we, like you mentioned, we do have a Sean Robinson coming in. Um, 
again more it, more uh, beef on the uh, yeah, on the yeah, on the yeah. line for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not gonna be the swim move guy. He's not gonna be the finesse guy. Uh, he's the beef guy. He's the nose tackle. He's gonna be taking up some space, um, which is good because Aaron Donald. You'd want obviously, hopefully, the more space other people can take up. That means less double teams, less chips, more one-on-ones, and more success for Aaron Donald. So um, hopefully this one works out. Um, I'm not going to lie. I don't know too much about him. Um, I I know the name. Um, I haven't seen a bunch of his plays. So if he can just come in and be that guy that takes up space, um, plays you know on a somewhat consistent basis, stays off the injury list, then great. I'm good with it. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you got two guys up the middle with Ashawn Robinson and Sebastian Joseph Day, and then you got Aaron Donald on one side and, you know, Michael Brockers, I mean, listen, that to me right there is one unbelievable manpower going up front trying to rush the quarterback and to stop the run. Um, listen, like I said, I'm going to look into this more as a as a whole, you know, as a depth type of thing. Um, of course, in the draft, you can go ahead and do whatever you want and get more pass rushers and whatnot, which, to be honest with you, I think that's what we really need is more edging guys. You know, you lost Fowler. Floyd's not really that type of player. You didn't re-sign Matthews. You know, who's out there left to rush the passer that's in free agency? I don't think much. Um, Jadavian Clowney's still out there, but, you know, I was wanting to see maybe if it could have happened with him. You know, but now you re-sign Brockers back. So, you know, that once again, it solidifies the interior. We definitely have to find somebody on the outside to rush the quarterback with that question. But, hey, listen, you add more depth on, onto that line, you know, it's a long season, you know. And if I remember correctly, two days ago, what, you know, there's going to be two less games in preseason, two more games are going to be played, one more team's going to make the playoffs. That's a lot of snaps, Nick. So you can't have enough players on your roster, especially when it comes to the O-line and D-line. Yeah, um, and I think we've, as you can tell by a lot of the moves that have been going on with the roster, the defensive side, there's not a lot of continuity going on there. So we're going to need depth. We're going to need, I don't know, some luck, I guess, is the best way to put it, because there's going to be some new pieces in there, and there's a lot of um, X factors. We don't know what some of these guys are going to do. Like we already talked about with some of the linebackers are going to be coming in. There's a lot of um, ifs out there. We don't know what we're going to get. So we'll see. Um, As of now, I don't expect the team to have really high sack numbers um, just because it doesn't sound like, like you had mentioned, there's not a whole lot of supporting cast around Donald as far as pass rushing goes. So he might be it. And I don't know who else is going to contribute to that. Um, The guy was Dante Fowler, but he's gone. So, I don't know where his help is going to come from, but um, we'll see. We have a new defensive coordinator, so I'm assuming he's got a game plan. Um, We'll see what happens. Um, The only other thing that I was going to really finish up with uh, regarding the roster was a potential Brandon Cooks trade. Um, Right around the same time where uh, Todd Gurley's name was getting thrown around in potential trade talks, Uh, Brandon Cook's name kept coming up and it sounded like there was a possibility that it was going to be a package deal at some point with certain teams getting both Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks. Uh, Then obviously Gurley got released and we haven't seen anything about on the Cooks front lately, but within the past couple of days, I have seen some rumblings that potentially the Eagles are in the market for Brandon Cooks, which I'm sure you could tell me very well that you would love to have a wide receiver like Brandon Cooks. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, the whole Brendan Cooks type of deal, you know, what's the main thing that the fans always say? Oh, well, he's injury prone. Yeah, but the man, listen, Brandon Cooks is a tough son of a gun, man. He goes into spots where not a lot of guys go. He catches the football. He creates space for your guys along the offense. He takes the top off. So those are things that I that I personally sometimes think fans forget to see and, you know, and to actually appreciate. Um, but once again, you know, look at his cap hit. $16 million, that's basically what you own for 2020. So, we, you know, if the trade does end up, if there's any trade that ends up happening, we know it's not because of the player. We just know it's because of the contract. Um, you know, when you look at our wide receivers, you know, Robert Woods, Cup is back better than ever. You know, Everett, Josh Reynolds. I mean, listen, we got very, very, very skilled guys in that receiving court. But what's the one thing that we don't seem to have if Cooks leaves? Is that guy that can take the top off? The guy that can just go straight ahead and you know to create those bomb throws for golf. So if they end up you know trading him or whatnot, which you know it, it's died down. But listen, the draft is a couple weeks away, and we know the Eagles don't have a number one wide receiver. You know we can't really say that Ashawn Jeffrey is that. Um, Zach Gertz for sure is Wentz's number one target. They're gonna need another guy now that Nelson Aguilar is also signed with the Raiders, which. For a second there, it seemed like the Raiders wanted to sign everyone. But, you know, now they're coming to see that they can't, a la Eli Apple. Um, you know, it's just, you know, what I – does it hurt to see – will it hurt to see Brandon Cooks leave? Absolutely. Like I said, I just mentioned all the type of things he can do for your offense. But if he's, you know, traded, you know, it's kind of obvious why. <laughs> you know, there's no ifs or buts about it. It's once again, it's the contract. Yeah. And one other men- – one other – weapon I'll throw out there because you mentioned all of them. The other one I'll throw out there too is Tyler Higby. Uh, he came on really strong towards the end of last season. He He's a like touchdown he was... machine. Yeah. <laughs> a touchdown so machine. Crucial. It looks crucial like him and Goff. In the, yeah. Crucial in the yeah. Uh, red zone. It looks like him and Goff have uh, really good chemistry together. Um, so For, Forgive me, Tyler. Not that I forgot you. I just named too many guys. No, 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 no. But you're no, good. but you are absolutely right, man. Because as you know, like I said in the beginning of this pod, the our whole offense is play action, man. And when you got those tight ends that are able to create that one-on-one space, it's so crucially needed. Because once you get closer to the end zone, it's tighter windows there to throw the football. And Higby has definitely been Goff's, you know, one guy that he's always looking for. Yeah. So one thing I will say. Um, if you're the Rams fan that's out there that thinks that Brandon Cooks isn't that valuable or he's not worth the contract, uh, I'll just throw this out there. So in 2018, the year that they went to the Super Bowl, he played in 16 games. He had 117 targets, 80 catches, 1,200 yards, 15 yards per reception. He had five touchdowns, 70 catches for first down. First downs are really good for drives in case you Move them chains, baby. Move them chains. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he had a phenomenal year. Granted, that year, a lot of the Rams offensive guys had great years, but that is not production that's easily replaceable. And like you said, one thing that you can't see from the numbers is the kind of uh, weapon that he is. He's the speed guy. He's the burner guy. He's going to take the top off a of defense. And without him on the team, there really isn't a replacement. There isn't anyone that's going to come in and be that guy. So... It's going to be tough if he does go. Um, I I understand the cap hit and the money he's getting paid is a significant chunk of money. Um, but I, I'm just saying 
he does provide some amazing potential, big plays, uh, great speed guy. So he is valuable. He does have value to the team. Um, whether that's in the, you know, 16 million range, I guess that's debatable, but I'm, I'm just saying he is valuable. So I'm not going to say get rid of him. Um, if he does go, I'll be a little disappointed and I'll also be a little worried. Cause again, we just keep making, I feel like subtractions to the offense, but it is what it is. Um, and it's crazy that he's only 26 years old. And if he does get traded, it's going to be the third time that he's gotten traded because he got traded to, or sorry, it's going to be, no, yeah, he went, yeah, because he, he went, yeah, because yeah, he went from the Saints to the Patriots, if I remember. Yeah, and then yeah. he went from the Patriots to the Rams, and then he'd be going from the Rams to somebody else. So it's crazy the for the kind of talent that he is, and at his age, that this would be the third time he's been traded. Like that just doesn't happen. You don't really see elite players like that get traded that often. Um, and I can only assume that it's just because of the injury history that there's just question marks there. Um, because he's got talent. Um, it's just, can he stay on the field? But like I said, that Super Bowl year, he played 16 games. He was there. He showed up every game. Um, and he made a difference. So. Yeah. And, and then not to mention the year before, you know, he had big numbers with the Patriots. He was kind of like Tom Brady's second guy besides Edelman and Gronk that he always looked to the goal, you know, towards down the field, which I just realized he played in back-to-back Super Bowls. For different teams, but yeah, he—if <laughs> you remember correctly—because for the uh, the Patriots, he got knocked out of that game because of the Malcolm Jenkins hit. Then he goes and gets to the Rams team the following season, and then they play the Patriots. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate that he lost back to back Super Bowls, but I ain't gonna complain because you know <laughs> I didn't lose some. But yeah, it's just those things yeah. like you know, and like you said, he's twenty six years old. He does so much things for your offense. Not to mention, he creates the mismatch. You know, if he ends up leaving, for sure, we'll know why. Yeah. Um, was there anything else? I uh, We went a little longer than I know we were projected to, but we had our intro and everything. So was there anything that you think we didn't talk about? Do you think we need to go? Well, no, I mean, or... just to preview um, for our pod next week, of course, we have the draft coming up and we want to really pay attention to see where the Rams might be looking at. Um, I'm a firm believer that I really think that it's going to be mostly defense. Um, obviously, the one position on offense, the running back, um, we're going to have to see what they do for round for round two. I believe that we have what pick number fifty two, if I correct, if I remember correctly. That a lot of, sounds about right. There's a lot of mock drafts picking us, um, getting um LSU's running back, and there's a couple other running backs. So, um, just stay tuned to that, man. And it's fun, and you know it's. Thanks to the NFL because, you know, it's like I previously said, it's been a tough time, tough times right now. And if it wasn't for the NFL being able to, you know, still do a couple of things here and there for us, I don't know if we'd, we'd feel normal. <laughs> but um, yeah. not Nick, yeah. man. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. Like I said, this is just the first of many, I hope. Um, I can't thank you enough for what you've done for me. And um, I'm looking forward to working with you more often. Um, for all of our fans that, you know, if, um, they want to know where we're from and whatnot, we have a, a pod on Twitter, Rams Nation, LAX. That is our Twitter feed. You can go ahead and give us a follow. Any questions you ever have asked, you know, any questions you always have for us and whatnot, we'll definitely make sure we answer those. Um, obviously, you know, it's it's a very exciting time to be a Rams fan. There are certain topics that, of course, we want to be able to change or whatnot that it's all about the team, but 
looking forward to it. Also, one more thing. So for next week's pod, I'm going to send out a tweet on Tuesday. Um, I'm going to ask you guys to give us your questions. That way, towards the end, we can kind of interact with you guys or whatnot. So when you listen and you see the uh, tweet for us next Tuesday, make sure to send us your RAM questions. Um, I'll make sure that me and Nick, we make sure we answer those for you next week. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Um, and by all means, uh, I don't know if we have that many St. Louis Rams fans that are going to listen to this because I know there's kind of a divide between St. Louis Rams fans and Los Angeles Rams fans. But by all means, um, if it's a question that pertains to something that happened when the team was in St. Louis, I'm totally open to answering those things, um, especially, like I said, since I've been a fan of the team for just a few seasons now. I have no problem going back and l- looking in the archives and looking at other things that i might have missed or didn't even know about so um no real timeline on the questions if you've got something that goes back several years i'm totally down for that too sounds good all right guys thanks for listening